Welcome to the Intelligence Briefing, What's the Buzz? Where leaders and hands-on experts in AI and automation share how they have turned hype into outcome. I'm your host, Andreas Welch, and if you would like to stay current on running AI in business, make sure to sign up for my newsletter at intelligence-briefing.com. Today, we'll talk about setting up your center of excellence. And who better to talk about it than someone who's really passionate about it and who's been doing that for a good part of their career? Chris Johannessen. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining. Hey, thank you, Andreas. It's uh, it's great to be here and to kind of share a few things in uh, 15 minutes or less with the, with, the, with the audience today. That's awesome. Hey, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, Chris Johannesson, I've been uh, doing work with CUEs, knowledge management, digital and technology and analytics and data transformation for well over 20 years now. I'm not afraid to say. You can see by the little bit of gray hair on top of my head here. I've had the opportunity to uh, get up to speed. I learned this in the early days of my career with a uh, a nice run at General Electric, where I was facilitator of knowledge management. I even had a COE for how to do COEs within GE, except we call them communities of practice in, in, back in the day. And then uh, along the way, someone decided that the word excellence sounded better than practice and a little bit more exciting. And I think I would agree. And then from then, I've had uh, other different stops in my career journey, building uh, marketing uh, COEs with uh, clients and internal organizations, such as uh, eBay Enterprise and some others, and, and then onwards into the world of management consultancy, where I've had uh, some stints with uh, organizations such as McKinsey, SEA Partners, uh, Global Consultancies, and Access Group most recently, which is uh, more of a boutique provider in the data analytics space, but helps set the stage for automation and AI with, with great data. So, and... Uh, when I'm not doing all that, I actually do find time for other things. I'm editor of the Journal of AI Robotics and Workplace Automation, published by Henry Stewart Publications out of the UK. And I've been doing that. We just had our first full year of four issues. So we're kind of celebrating volume one. And I do some academic advisory as well with some universities in the, in the greater Philadelphia region. So. Fantastic. Um, so, hey, it really sounds like you are the person to talk to when it's, uh, when it's all about COEs. So really <laughs> glad uh, that you joined. Um, you know, we've, we've met earlier uh, this, this year, even in, in person and talked about some of these things. So I'm really uh, excited that we're, we're able to, to make this happen and you're able to join. Um, so thanks again. Now, for, for those of you uh, just joining the, the stream, drop a comment in the chat. Um, if you're leading a COE or if you are or have been working in one, or if you just want to learn more about it, uh, and maybe join one and see if that is an organizational model that would appeal to you. Um, but maybe, Chris, should we play a little game and kick things off here? Sure, sure, why not? Awesome. So, game time. Um, so this game is called In Your Own Words. Um, when I hit the buzzer, the wheels will start spinning. And when they stop, you'll see a sentence. And I'd like you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind and why in your own words. And, you know, to make it a little, little more interesting, you'll only have 60 seconds for your answer. Are you ready for what um, buzz? I'm ready. Uh, get, get ready player one. Okay, perfect. If AI were a tool in a hardware store, 
what would it be and why? If it were a tool in a hardware store, it would be something that could help me find tool, other tools much more easily than my wanderings around our local Lowe's and uh, Home Depot and, and uh, even the, uh, the family run hardware shop that's in my, uh, in my area. I honestly sometimes spend way too much time looking for the right size nut bolt screw when I'm trying to do some, some household project work. Fantastic. And well within the minute. Um, when you said something that they could help me find other tools, I, I was envisioning a directory, but how you described it sounds a lot more personalized and uh, a lot more specific to your needs. Yeah, it could be like a, so we have a, in our local supermarkets in the state of Pennsylvania, one of them has a robot that kind of rolls, rolls around the aisles and it could be something like that with a funny face on it and talks to me and gives me clues. So very true. Yes. And, and my little ones are, are never quite sure whether to be excited or to be scared when it follows them uh, through the aisle. <laughs> Anyways, um, so let's jump into our, our questions. Um, I feel a lot of times these days, if I say automation, you say COE. It's, it's that well connected. And it seems that it, at least to me, it's like the go-to org setup in, in a company if you want to get started with AI and, and automation. But if, before going there and into that default model, Maybe let me ask you this. When should you actually set up a COE and when shouldn't you? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. It depends on the industry vertical that your company is in. Uh, it depends on the size of the company as well. Obviously, for a very small company, uh, Andres might be the CEO, the one person COE. There's a funny meme that floats around the uh, internet and LinkedIn recently about uh, where's all the company knowledge? And then there's a picture of some person that says, I am the knowledge. Uh, so there's certainly some scale considerations in terms of the, uh, the current state, but also the future state aspirations. Other things might be, you have to do a little bit of, uh, just like somebody might be in terms of a little bit of startup thinking, do a little exploring and see if somebody's doing some automation already within a company. Uh, you know, typically you find pockets of automation in areas such as, uh, Maybe finance, uh, with, uh, depending again on the company with some risk automation or something like that. Uh, in marketing, you know, there's, there are areas where you might to see some automation in play as well. Uh, even in call center operations or other internal operations. So it all depends on the, uh, you know, the industry vertical, you know, certainly for the organizations that SAP tends to work with, and I'm sure a lot of our audience is part of today, uh, larger scale organizations start to think towards an automation COE. And with that, you have to have the right shared definition of what automation actually is in the first place. Uh, like I said, some people might hear the word automation and just think, oh, reporting automation, the analytics people already do that. You don't need a COE. Uh, if you're looking to bring something rather new and innovative in, uh, like uh, robotic process automation, AI as a service, uh, software platforms, or even so-called smart workflow, uh, that are out there now that have some AI capabilities. Uh, there might be some workflow already existing in, in the organization, but if not, that would certainly be a ripe op opportunity for bringing automation in. Uh, now, AI is a different animal. Uh, I've heard different people say, well, maybe AI should just be part of the automation COE. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard some people recently say, well, AI should be part of the analytics. Because in order to do uh, proper uh, AI, people think of 
AI, they tend to default to statistical ways of doing decisioning, such as, um, you know, machine learning based type of AI or semantic rules engines types of uh, AI. And with that, you need data scientists who build models who then push the models into something. Uh, and where, where else, uh, is a better place in that than with the analytics team. And although sometimes they say, no, it should be with the automation team because the end point is to make this stuff automated in production, whether it's internally facing or right. uh, customer facing, depending on context. So maybe building on, on that, what would you say is, is like the, the, the key role of, of the CUE when you, um, when you set it up or, or when you have a, have a dedicated team for it? Well, first and foremost, the key role is going to be educating the organization uh, about just what automation and AI is in that particular context. And with that, some of the older models I mentioned, you know, back in the day, we just kind of did like a one size fits all COE and uh, kind of like, you know, how all commercials used to be, you know, write the ad for the Super Bowl, write a big guy check, you did it. one commercial fits all. Uh, but now you have to think about not only the audiences internally, but Bring in a little bit of newer thinking. Some people might be aware of the idea of design thinking and thinking about personas within the organization. You're going to be targeting automation and AI as a value driver to different people in the company, not only their different role levels and responsibility, but also different functions as well across, you know, we're leader of operations versus leader of marketing. Mm -hmm. So you have to get that story out there. What, what's the value proposition? Uh, it may start as simple as a slideshow. You may, uh, do some, uh, company events or lunch and learns, things like that to kind of draw and drive some awareness or things like that. So, and, uh, with them, you start to identify, I noticed someone dropped in the idea of champions. It's always good to find a champion, someone who is either already excited about the topic or could just be an executive who saw something shining and magical at an event and said, I need that too, or they heard competitor one, two, three has it, and they feel like they have a gap as company number four in the vertical that they've got to do some catch up. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a little late to taking a look at the chat, but uh, I, I see some answers to our tool question from hammer to adjustable wrench, twist army knife, mm -hmm. a lot of good, good thoughts and, and suggestions there. So great. You set up the COE, they, they should help uh, educate and, and enable um, parts of the, the organization about what AI auto, or, or automation or whatever other topic is. Um, it, and that's great, right? As a, as a leader, to your point, you made the decision, I need a COE, I understand why I would want one. Maybe you've been just hired to set one up. Um, and I feel one of the, the next steps is, well, what, what should that org structure and that setup look like? And what does the engagement model with my stakeholders look like? So I'm curious what you've seen there and, and what you recommend. As with any kind of new, anything resembling a program in an organization, uh, at least with the stakeholders, you want to, you know, say you have this mission, almost like a mission and a vision for what the COE is all about. Uh, not only, uh, you know, the material to kind of get people motivated and excited about the rewards of automation, but also the risk as well. But you've got to be able to educate the audience on what the risk and rewards and talk about a timeline and a process for how you're going to start bringing the COE to life. Like what is the early stages look like? What's kind of like the middle stages and kind of what's the ideal end state of what the COE is supposed to do. And of course, COE is supposed to be more about just educating, getting people excited. You've got to have 
policies and procedures uh, going towards the risk side. You have to be careful. Uh, that, you know, that reminded me of your remark earlier this week on LinkedIn, where you don't want the COE to be like a cop and stopping the presses and people no longer get excited. But all the things in between, like who are the experts? Uh, COE might just start with simple, simple as an expert directory. Uh, but then you could talk about what does it take to kind of bring these things to life in terms of a process, uh, evaluating the COE, what are some metrics for the COE going forward? There's certainly a, uh, an array of different considerations. And again, it depends not only on the audience, but you also have to think in another risk factor of the, uh, especially with some of the more sensitive areas with automation lately, things such as uh, ethics might come up to uh, question how do ethics play a role? Perfect. Um, so maybe uh, uh, taking one question from from Jesse. So you're saying it's it's important to have the ability to speak to each different stakeholder in the terms of the different things that they want out of the CVE. So related alignment, right? Mm -hmm. you... no, I'm sure everyone is is curious uh, to hear maybe about one example where you've seen this COE setup be really successful and why that has been the case. What has made it successful? Uh, we've had, uh, some recent examples are, uh, setting up a COE with a, a high technology company where that was one where automation was actually brought into the data and analytics COE. As I mentioned, that could be, you know, one example because in that, that organization automation was pretty new, but they felt like, well, data and analytics people, they create models. We're just going to have, uh, all the automation, the intelligent automation and AI stuff as part of the COE. Part of what helped bring that to a life in terms of success, uh, looking at a little bit more macro level is having the right operating model in place is certainly a consideration. Uh, depending on the organization, some organizations might kind of start slow and have things a bit more centralized. It's kind of well known that there are three or four different archetypes. Uh, some people call them organizing models for operating models, uh, where you might uh, eventually scale towards something where you have a central group that's really kind of setting all the standards, managing all the tools, the licenses, and all sorts of other things, but educating the rest of the organization to kind of be a bit more self-service and help hopefully get to the point where they may even become, as you might hear these days, the idea of a citizen developer, citizen automator. I haven't quite heard anybody say that they're a citizen AI specialist yet, but maybe three or five years down the time, uh, timeline that it might, uh, you might see something like that, but. That was one where it really took off. Uh, another one was one where part of what drove the excitement was putting some branding around the COE, uh, almost making it almost like a, a digital storefront is certainly a component, especially in the modern context. Uh, some COEs that, uh, that don't succeed are kind of weak in that regard. I've seen people try to drive a COE off of a shared drive, uh, which of course is not going to work or just a simple internet page or two. Uh, but when you have kind of a, a rather robust internal digital presence that uh, you can even put some custom branding around and even do some fun things, create some events, uh, lunch and learns, uh, you'll see a legacy tool and behind me, something I'd used before the rise of mural and other tools like Figma was I would, uh, I actually had a, a marker board on wheels and I would just wheel it. You know, people would laugh. I would wheel it onto the elevator of one of the places I was at go up the floor and I would do lessons for half an hour right at somebody's desk, diagramming, drawing, if I couldn't do something larger and more of a context or a classroom setting. So, um, the automation 
automation can be tricky, uh, in terms of success and failure. Uh, you might have to do some broader organizational lunch and learns, uh, with one of my clients, uh, in another part of the world, we did a large scale, uh, lunch and learn for the entire organization to sit in to help allay their concerns about automation, because at that time there was quite a bit in the press about the threats of automation. So we showed some research that like, look, there's more stuff to do than there's going to be enough people, you know, lots of stuff to do, you know, people down below and in between is, uh, you know, you know, there, there's way more to do than there's enough people to basically handle the work. Sometimes you have to, uh, kind of play it safe with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of internal education and just kind of get people to be like, automation's not a scary thing. It's actually going to help you out, free you up, maybe take a class, but you can't do things because you're stuck doing some chore or task three days out of the month, every single month that could potentially be automated. That's, that's a great point. Really helping take, take away that fear and, and um, show that it's, it, it's not as scary as, as you might think when you, when you hear AI or, or automation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's one other question I, I, I have for you and, and it's specifically around the organizational models. Um, where, or, or how do you see COE starting? Is it typically that it's, it's centralized and, and then over time, maybe it, it matures in, into something like a federated model where maybe the COE, um, looks more after standardization and governance and these type of things, but the individual satellites, um, are independent and, and, and run the day to day on, on their own. Or do you see companies starting already with a federated model, um, or maybe other even other models than, than just those two that you've seen be successful? Well, especially when you're bringing a COE to life, it's, it's just good to always keep that old maxim of crawl, walk, run. I have seen some companies try to run right to the federated model, which some people, uh, some people do see that as like the, uh, for those of you not in, you know, who aren't aware, there are these different models. You start with a centralized model. There might be something that evolves towards a hub and spoke. And then be things become a little bit more decentralized. I've heard some of these things be called, uh, competent C centers before you get to COE in terms of a maturity model. Uh, but maturity could be something that's a bit more of a misnomer that you have to watch out for. Because for some, you, someone might show up and give you all this advice, management consultant here, giving you a little bit of warning about some of the other friends I have out there in the world. And, uh, maturity can sometimes be confused with complexity where they show you all this complicated stuff. And you're like, oh, how can I get there? It's like, you don't have to worry about getting there. You just have to worry about having, having an impact and driving value in your organization. And some of these that I've seen fizzle as they try to do that, you know, that try to run right towards the aspirations and the end goal, rather than getting some wins along the way and kind of building up their story and, and scaling up the COE over time. That's awesome. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I think that's a very important part for anyone wondering, well, and how do a, I actually... An, another insight that I'll share there real quick is when, uh, depending on the organization, the COE might be just part of somebody's existing job. And if you don't have the right personality in place for that, they can fizzle. Because they're just overworked, they're not excited. They see it as another thing that you threw on top of their list, and they're just like, "Oh, I got to do this too. I got to do all this other stuff. I got wife, kids, or husband, kids, or you know, partner and kids. You know, depending on what's going on, and uh, and personal life too." Um, so maybe can you summarize the the three key points uh, for our audience to take away from today's episode? We talked a bit uh, about 
do you even need one? Do you even need a COE? Mm -hmm. uh, what are the organizational models and, and when does it work well? What should people take away from today? Uh, the first thing is to make sure that you do the right kind of assessment before you even try to bring a COE into place. It's good to have a uh, some kind of assessment to help you score the organization. Do your own internal research. Like I said, think of it as like a startup product market fit. Uh, the next is if you do find an audience and receptivity, start to kind of paint the picture of your mission and your vision and your roadmap for how the COE can come to life and then to to pilot it and find some wins. And last but not least, a internal uh, digital storefront is usually kind of the way to go uh, because at least you can have a link to that and people can email the link out and say, learn more about my COE and send a link instead of toying up with a big PowerPoint deck or something. Awesome. Thanks so much for the summary. Now, folks, we're getting close to the end of the show. Um, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your expertise and, and for those of you in the audience for learning with us. Thanks, Chris. No, thank you for the opportunity. There's plenty to talk about here. Thank you so much for joining and learning with us. See you next time for another round of the Intelligence Briefing. What's the buzz?